everybody, and welcome back to the Game Bite Show. This is the Game Bite Show for the week of October 25th. I am your once again host, Jeremy Lawman Lamont, standing in for the Grand Jolly. With me again this week are Dale Count Elmdor Jones. Hi, Dale. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And Jared Red Eye Dunn. How's it going, Jared? Hello, hello. We are here at the top of the week to give you the weekly News Bites podcast, where we talk about news, new releases, and a special topic of the week where we discuss something that is held deep, near and dear within our hearts, uh, just for you. Uh, we're going to start out with the news, though. I'm going to go ahead and launch right into the happenings in video games this week. We're going to talk about something that hasn't been in the news for a little while. Batman Arkham Knight for PC is back in the news. According to Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, it will be re-released on PC on October 28th. Uh, you may remember from uh, months prior that it was removed abruptly from Steam and other online distribution uh, storefronts uh, for being really buggy. It went, what, was that like June or July? When was that? It was, it was months ago. Yeah. Yes, it sure was. And uh, it's the, and it was actually right after, you might remember, it was right after Steam sort of codified its return policy where, um, oh, yeah. at, what is it, within within two days or something like that? I can't remember it's exactly It's like two it weeks was, after purchase or, or, or and or two hours of playtime. So many hours, yeah. Something like yeah. that. So uh, Warner Brothers issued a statement. We want to give particular thanks to the members of the PC community who took time to give us clear, detailed feedback and bug reporting, which I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure they for did. free as opposed one to out of, one yeah. out of every 100 um, was clear. I mean, we we could have had to pay it. people to QA test this thing, but instead we got your free labor on the Steam. community feedback. Exactly. The, the other feedback was all just it sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never Very vague feedback. Again, Warner Brothers. So uh, good for PC gamers, though, because the the console version of the of the game was actually very very well received, and uh, so it's good to good to get it back on. Uh... I think it was well received, but I, I think the consensus seems to be that it was not the best game in the series. That especially the um, Batmobile tank stuff kind of tanked the quality of the game for lack of a whoa whoa i see what you did there yeah i don't know the uh batman series the uh, arkham series is uh pretty stellar all around and so i think that you know saying that well this one isn't the best one i, I don't know they're all pretty pretty good apparently so we'll we'll take it we'll take it it's so not the worst PC, either though is i think what they were saying basically yeah <laughs> All right, uh, elsewhere on uh, possible uh, future PC releases, according to 343 Industries' Frank O'Connor, the uh, PC version of Halo 5 has a chance. So you might see that uh, the latest outing of Master Chief on the PC. Uh, franchise director O'Connor was talking on a Games Radar live stream and uh, kind of just mentioned that he had nothing to announce at this point, but it's absolutely within the bounds of reason. Yeah, but that's that's not saying much at all, really. And I, I put this on here, but at, at the same time, I'm definitely not going to hold my breath. I mean, we've heard this crap about Halo for I don't years now. Um, there's been rumors and sightings of Halo two and three inside the or all three of the Halo games, I guess uh, the early ones that is in the Steam database where they typically add games before they go up on Steam. Mm -hmm. They've been in there for years, and nothing has ever materialized on that. So. I would really, I mean, I would love to see the Halo games on PC. It would be cool to, you know, go back and play some of those really good ones. In you know, probably the first three. I'm not sure about four or five. We'll see. I don't know if they're. I'd, if they're I'd love good. for them to put out like a collection on on PC, Halo Five, maybe some of the older ones, and call it the Plenty of Chance Edition. 
What is that phrasing? What what are these people talking about? <laughs> plenty. Oh, is is there any chance? Oh, there's plenty of chance. I think plenty probably of chance. That's probably how that uh, discussion went. Speaking down. personally, PC was the last time I seriously played Halo, so it, you know, for me, it would be like just the next next one coming out. So, uh, so yeah, there's nothing nothing uh, nothing to really say about that. But the console release is uh, slated for Xbox One on October 27th this week, which uh, by the time you're listening to this, it may already be out. Jeremy, new releases is the next section down. The... I suppose that's true. Well, I'll, I, I retract that until the next segment. Spoilers. <laughs> Elsewhere, where Hope Springs Eternal, uh, Sega has trademarked a new title for the Valkyria Chronicles franchise. Not much is known about it other than uh, the title and that it may have something to do with a video game. Uh, according to the Japanese <laughs> blog Esoteru... Yeah, exactly. Well, so here's the thing. So the, the title, of course, uh, let's get that out. Valkyria of the Blue Revolution uh, has been issued a trademark by the Japanese uh, Patent and Trade Office. Uh, again, no additional details available other than it's attached to a video game. But, uh, Dale, the last Valkyria Chronicles title that came out, I believe, was a card battling game on the PC. <laughs> nice. So... Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? You know, it's uh, of course, uh, Valkyria Chronicles uh, did come out on the PC eventually. Uh, just... I think just last year, I guess, and uh, has been doing pretty well, I think. Yeah, I heard it was a, a good success there for Sega. You know, yeah. I mean, made more money than they invested in the report, I guess. Maybe some chance there, plenty of chance. Uh, so who knows, who knows. Uh, in other news of things that uh, have come to fruition, or are, are still to come to fruition, uh, the Day of the Tentacle remastered version from Double Fine uh, I think it was previously announced at the PlayStation Experience, I want to say, last year, or maybe it was even before that. Uh, but they're now ready to unveil it. We've seen screens show up on the Double Fine blog, as well as an unveiling at IndieCade this weekend. And uh, i got to say, looking at the Double Fine link uh, here, the screens are looking pretty good comparatively. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I believe this is going to be coming out on uh, PlayStation platforms, I believe PS4 and Vita and then I'm sure it's probably coming to PC as well. So looking looking pretty good there. And actually, uh, although I'm a huge, huge fan of Double Fine, that is one game that I actually have never played. So. Nice. So you'll get a chance said, for that one. It, it says here the game will come to Linux, Macs, Mac, sorry, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and PC. Oh, do people count Linux and Mac separate from PC? I sort of just lumped those all together. Yeah, well, they mean Windows. A Windows PC. Okay, got it. Uh, well, somebody got their hand caught in the cookie jar. Over at Harmonix, uh, apparently some of the employees there have been tooting their own horns just a little bit too much and in the wrong space, and have been caught reviewing Rock Band 4 on Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, they've uh, been re receiving pretty, pretty good reviews on its own, but a uh, Reddit user noticed that uh, some of the wish list... Uh, Basically, they linked the wish lists to people who'd reviewed the game and found that uh, it seemed to match the names of some developers employed at Harmonix. Uh, Harmonix has actually owned up to this, and uh, Destructoid, I guess, reached out to them, and uh, they issued this statement that uh, Harmonix has clarified its internal policy about posting reviews of our own products on retail sites, but we, and we've asked that existing reviews be edited to identify Harmonix employees or removed entirely. And while we believe the reviews posted by a few employees were sincere and without ill intentions, as a studio, we don't believe that these are appropriate actions. So it happens from time to time, and uh, I don't know. I don't know that anyone is going to be swayed one way or the other by the user reviews, but... Uh, I mean, Rock Band still is kind of Rock Band, as, as we've discussed. I call that. them loser reviews. Loser reviews. Game review. Yeah, game user reviews are so full of drama, like developers posting them, people 
posting a bunch of zeros to protest. It's terrible. It's ridiculous. That is true. So I guess uh, burn it all, I suppose. Exactly. Harness that energy, you know, from all those, like, uh, you know, pressed um, keyboard presses and, you know, use it to generate electricity. Overdrive. That's right. Uh, Actually, we have so here. Here we have some real actual news, you guys. All that other stuff. Throw it out. It was nothing. Here's some real businessy business news going on. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft is apparently the recipient of some unwanted attention by Vivendi Universal. Uh, apparently, Vivendi has purchased uh, 6.6% of Ubisoft stock for 140 million euros. And uh, I guess uh, elsewhere it's been reported that they are looking for seats on the Ubisoft board. Uh, The CEO of Ubisoft, Yves Guimont, has addressed those concerns and has said that they will fight for their independence. Uh, They'll fight to preserve their independence in the face of these unwelcome uh, share purchases. Uh, You might remember uh, Vivendi had uh, recently been associated with Activision Blizzard and had control of that arrangement. And uh, Bobby Kotick uh, eventually forced them out through some uh, financial machinations. And uh, I think at the time, Vivendi was planning on redirecting a lot of the funds of of that Activision entity. So uh, I don't think Ubisoft is really looking forward to being answerable to Vivendi. So pretty pretty interesting there. I I wonder, do either of you guys have any sort of insight into this whole, I guess, kind of hostile takeover process? Because... 6.6% 6.6% is not a whole hell of a lot, right? Well, it, but, but if it could it's, be more, if it's than, more any, than anybody else. Yeah. yeah if, if it's more than anybody else has, then that means that you have a more or less controlling interest, right? I don't think you have to own 51% of the stock, but whenever somebody is making purchases and then getting seats on your board of directors, I think that's a concern. Yeah, because 6, 6% could be more than any other single entity owns in, in their shares, so that would but does that, really be... does a, that really matter? I mean... Yeah, then them asking for a seat on the board would be uh, something... And what's, what's the threshold get. for... How many shares do you have to buy to get a seat on the board, I guess? You know, I mean, is that, Enough. Is there a standard number or something? I don't think there's a standard number. I don't know, but I'm sure that if you're Ubisoft and they are Vivendi, you're you're probably going to look askance at that, I assume. But I guess here's, so if you're, you know, Yves Guimond or whoever, and you, they're asking for a seat on the board, I mean, can't you just refuse? And then if they don't like it, they can just sell the shares. Problem solved, right? Uh, Well, if you're a publicly traded company, I don't think you can really prevent people from buying shares in your company. Mm -hmm. Right, but you can incentivize them to sell them by not cowing to their demand for a yeah. seat on the board i guess well, i mean i, I don't I, can you i i don't know i'm not in this i'm not in that field i'm just wondering because it seems like you know six you say 6.6 percent and it's like well, that doesn't seem like a big deal right i mean i don't know 140 million euros i mean here's here's what we'll do game bite show will formally request an interview with yves guimont and we will <laughs> we will talk to him well, Eve, i know you're out there and uh we, we'd get, love to talk to and, you and, and ask him when they're going to do that uh, assassin's creed in japan finally too I was going to say, they're probably yeah, going to send someone to, like, leap down from a height onto, like, Vivendi, onto the Vivendi president or something and take him out that it's way. It's all conspiracy. Vivendi's actually the Templars? Yep, that's how they deal with it. Maybe that's going to come up in the next game. <laughs> we'll see. So, uh, get, getting into some lighter news, uh, apparently in Japan, a real-world Pokemon gym is going to be opening next month. Uh, the facility is being called a hands-on edutainment facility, uh, according to Silicon Era, and is being built as a social space for children where they can learn tips for playing Pokemon. 
there is an official website, and the photos on the website uh, appear to have assorted Pokemon games and augmented reality stations, I guess, where you can interact with the Pokemon and bowling. <laughs> uh, looks like there will be a smartphone app also releasing alongside the gym, but uh, not sure if it will have any bearing for us in North America at all. So that opens on November nineteenth hmm. in Osaka. So make it out there. That's intense. Osaka, really? Huh. I wonder. Well, I guess because because Nintendo is based in Kyoto, so close to there, I suppose. So naturally, Osaka. And, and Osaka and Kyoto are pretty close together. Oh, that's what yeah. I was thinking too. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to do some inappropriate things with with Pokemon. Is all. That's. That's all I really want. So once they open one of those, a Pokemon Love Hotel is what I'm asking for. Really. <laughs> capsule Hotel. You know, it, exactly. It works right in there. Exactly. The Pokemon go into the capsule. <laughs> Pokeball, Pokeball Hotel. How about that? <laughs> oh, for <man>. Pokeballers. <laughs> Lastly, rounding out the news, uh, Konami has allegedly denied the departure of Hideo Kojima and says that the staff is on a post-launch vacation. So, in the same way that that dog that you loved went to live on a farm, <laughs> Kojima simply going off to have a... Oh, you know, get a... I know where he's at. I've got him on my base. He's in the research department. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's doing stuff. He was Fulton's. He's working he was with, uh, off of the... you know, the, the other research guys on my next gun upgrade. Actually, what I, what I figure the next step is going to be that they're going to have, like, the low-rent version, like, his, his low-rent doppelganger is going to show up, and they'll be like, uh, yeah, guys, here, here he is. He Liquid came right Kojima? Back and... Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Hit the cloned hand yeah. will, yep. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what's going on over there at Konami. Um, I, 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 is it fair to say that it's pretty clear that Kojima is not employed there any longer? Well, and, there was a story in back? the friggin' New Yorker about it, right? So <laughs> I, I'm gonna kind of doubt that. Uh, I, I have to doubt the veracity of Konami's claims because, I mean, come on, right? Uh, apparently, so I'm looking at GameInformer.com where they uh, covered this, and uh, apparently uh, people on Twitter have photos of the farewell party on October 9th at Konami, one, yeah. Yeah. which uh, Konami apparently claims to have no knowledge of. <laughs> so, Anyway, that's everything that's good in the news this week. All right, well, let me tell you about new releases this week. Please. There's some games coming out. It's uh, mid to late October, and there are some games coming out. Looking in this list, it looks like we're in the thick of it now. Yeah, we. There's we some big games are. on here. So my this Minecraft Story Mode is out this week. I think it was out last week, but this is specifically the season disc, uh, and that's multi-platform. I think it's on um, everything but the Wii U uh, at this point. I think uh, you could probably leave off the uh, 3DS and the Vita too, but I'm pretty sure it's on all the consoles and it's on PC. What does that mean, season disc? Does that mean that they have produced the entire season? Uh-uh. I think it's like and you just only... buy the hard copy no. of the yeah, disc. Yeah, I, I, I think you still have to download it. And it comes with a season those. pass, Yeah, I guess. It's a Telltale game, so expect it to follow that same. Yeah, I wouldn't. Pattern. I don't think they're... So just wait six months and download the first episode for free on your tablet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually just, last night I played the first episode of a Telltale, Telltale series, but we'll get to that on uh, Wednesday's show. On our midweek um, show, sure. Also out this week across a multitude of systems and even probably phones and things, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, this is the one where it's set in London and it's like 1868, I think is the is the date that they set it in. And you can play as either Jacob or Evie Fry and they are a brother and sister and assassins and... You can probably go around and meet a lot of historical folks and 
kill some dudes and that sort of thing. So, so one thing to note for PC uh, players, listeners, um, November nineteenth is when that will come out. Yeah, that's right. It's been pushed back after they have after they came out and said multiple times that it would be day and date on the PC. Yeah. It of course was not. Wasn't. Ubi's um, the worst for that. And what's really stupid is now now it's coming out after Fallout, which is problematic. Uh, also out this week is Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition, which I thought I thought this was an interesting release because Darksiders 2 is a pretty old game at this point. I think that came yeah. out in like 2011, maybe. Um, and I never got around to playing it, which I I should because I you know Death has always been my favorite um, horseman, and uh, that is Death. That's what he's called, right? Death. What do you got? Famine. Yeah. Pestilence. Pestilence. What's the other one? War. War. Yeah, war is pretty good too. War and death, I think, are my favorite horsemen. And I think they're both in this game. Uh, yeah, war was the hero of the first game. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Death is in this game also. Uh, but here's the thing, though. So Darksiders went down with the THQ ship, um, and then they had that fire sale of all their various various licenses that were bought out, like you know, such as this one, and I guess the um, stalker and like metro series and uh, i don't know a few other saints things row. yeah saints row the uh warhammer 40k um license which i think was retained with relic um and yada da 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 but um not too long ago the darksiders um license was purchased by this it's, it's like a norwegian or norse i think i think it was norwegian game company but i think they're actually called norse something or other and it seems like they may be going ahead with the original plan for this series was to do like one for each of the four horsemen. And then I, I maybe like a fifth game that was like four player co-op or something, which I mean, that sounds pretty pie in the sky. But it would be kind of nice to get, uh you know, two more games in the series with each of the other horsemen in this this universe, because I, th- I believe in this universe, it's not the typical like famine and pestilence the other two are like fury and rage or something i don't know something else but one of them is like fury rage anger yeah one of them is is like a woman who has two two guns like six shooters i think and i'm not sure what the other one is maybe like a big dude with a hammer or something who knows um (laughs) that's pretty good by all accounts those were those were good games yeah i I like the first one it was cool it was it was reminiscent of of a 3d zelda game but you know with a little bit of like sort of third-person shooty in there and, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Just a little bit of that. But, you know, I thought they were, I thought it was solid. I think it was a cool, um, it, if not entirely original or interesting sort of world or, or art style or anything. I just thought it was it was that sort of big, chunky comic book art. Yeah, it was just kind of cool. So there's that. Also out this week, Halo 5 Guardians. Um, that's the newest release in the mega popular Halo series about – a guy who wears green armor and shoots aliens. It, is this the first one not done by Bungie? No, the fourth yeah, Halo the Four one. was the first one in the main numbered series not done by Bungie. Okay, I don't follow them. So. But there was also um, there was one called Halo Reach or something. Uh, no, that was Bungie. Halo Wars. Halo Four was by Three Four Three. Halo Halo Wars was um, actually by Ensemble Studios. Uh, like I think yep, that was their last true. game before they were unceremoniously disbanded by Microsoft. They were dissembled. Uh, it might have been their second last. So yeah, Halo Five is out this week or next week, I think. Rather, I don't know. It's, it's on the list this week. Uh, only on 
X-Bone. I don't know. We'll see if it's any good. Uh, also, on the eShop, that being for the Nintendo 3Ds, uh, the Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, which, Jeremy, you played, what, it was like a demo version of this, right? Yeah, yeah, I participated in the timed demo, and uh, I think my thoughts on it, if you listen to last week's show, were pretty pretty consistent with what people felt about the finished product, I think. It's uh, c- kind of receiving a little bit of a tepid reception, but, uh, oh, is it? you know, if you had played... Yeah, if you had played Four Sword Adventures, though, and if that kind of thing tickles your fancy, it's, you know, it's okay, it's good. This is like four swords, but only three. It's three swords, yeah. They kind of went backwards one. Fourth sword um, got picked up by death in uh, Darkseid. Yeah. That's... So we've also got Warhammer End Times Vermintide, uh, which, Jared, you played some of this on the stream. Yeah, we actually streamed it uh, last week, I think. Was that an early um, version? Yeah, it was like the, the late kind of beta, uh, just before it released. Um, which actually, you know, if, if anyone notices some kind of hitching and lag in, in that video, it actually was completely fixed in the released version I played. Oh, nice. Time, so. Yep. And one thing, the only thing I wanted to kind of comment on Warhammer is I we were actually talking a little bit. We, I think I was alone. I was talking to myself, my uh, inner monologue, <laughs> uh, about kind of the potential for DLC here. And they actually, uh, this someone from the studio, I can't find his name, but... Uh, Quoted saying that they do plan on doing lots of post-launch, post-launch content, free and paid DLCs, alternating between the two, but no microtransactions and nothing that will split the player base. So very cool. Cool. It's a very fun game. Definitely worth checking out. It's and it's basically sort of Left for Dead with rat men. It's Left for Dead with Warhammer. It's yeah. amazing. Cool. And lastly, on here we have the. Is this the first major expansion for Guild Wars Two? Heart of Thorns. Yes. Um, so they've been doing sort of, uh, they call it living world, but it's all been kind of free, uh, content that, um, they've been doing. So this is the first paid expansion and basically this is the game, you know, there's, you can't go back and buy the old version of the game now. Um, and it's, it's really good y'all. I've been playing it. It It's actually, so it's probably one of the best launches I've ever seen for an MMO or expansion. Basically it was like 8 PM. It's going to turn on and. You got a message saying you had to restart client, restart, patched in maybe 30 seconds, and it was up. It was going. And I've not experienced any lag or any game-breaking bugs, so it's pretty amazing. Well, it doesn't take that long to add the words Heart of Thorns to the It's to the all launcher, they did is change know, the launcher from red to green. Yeah, I mean... Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, big thanks to tech-gaming.com for our new release list. Uh, keep it going there, guys. You do good work. Booyah. And what's our topic for this evening? Well, uh, we're looking at an article by uh, Gama Sutra, which references an uh, an Adobe uh, run study about trends in the video game industry, and uh, kind of some interesting and weird findings. They they found that uh, pre orders are growing, but most people find the topic to be a source of sadness <laughs> for them. Um, <laughs> and. I'm not. I'm not quite sure exactly what to make of this, but they uh, they called the results from what they say was uh, da- consumer data comprising four billion global visits to websites in various industries, as well as twenty million engagements on platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, you know, and this, I, I, I guess, I would venture to say that this may tie in somewhat, maybe, to our topic last week as well about game pricing. Um, 
by all accounts, games are... Well, I think we sort of jokingly said that they are both less expensive and more expensive, but one thing that we all agreed on was that people just gripe a lot more about it than they ever used to. Um, so I, I have a suspicion that they're looking at the fact that the money involved in pre-orders is, is in- increasing, but the popular response to pre-orders and, and pre-order initiatives is growing ever more negative. And uh, so we thought we'd talk about that just a little bit and, and see kind of if that's something that affects us, uh, how, how we see that impacting the greater gaming community. Um, I don't know, Dale, do you have a, a particular viewpoint on this? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't really, other than just the, it's like you said, it's kind of an interesting takeaway that, um, pre-orders are exploding in popularity, it seems like, but there's a fair amount of people that do not seem very happy (laughs) about this. And it's, uh, it's tempted to kind of write it off as, uh, you know, sort of internet, um, uh, vocal minority echo chamber sort of griping, um, but you know, I don't. I don't know. It's hard to to really know the truth of things. I know that for me personally, um, pre-orders are not really something that I really take part of anymore. I, I used to back when uh, back when everything was was retailed, you know, and and everything I wanted was something I would go out and and purchase um, in a store. And often, you know, you get hassled by like the idiots at GameStop who try to tell you that they're not going to order any unless you pre-order and all that crap. Um, <laughs> I gotten away from that. Uh, a long time ago, and, and these days I will pre-order a game like if it comes with you know a free DLC or something like. If it's something I'm going to buy anyway, I'll like pre-order it the day before it releases, <laughs> and then just because I, I get almost everything through Steam these days anyway. Um, but yeah, I there's a lot of anytime, and it, it's not just pre-orders, but it's like anytime there's any DLC or just sort of anything, there's a lot of vocal pushback on like video game forums and social medias about um you know they're charging too much for this they're gonna rip us off it's all just a rip off blah 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 and it's hard to sort through the the wheat from the chaff and all that so again for your personal perspective so what was the last game you pre-ordered first off uh metal gear solid 5 i mean i i did the like i pre-ordered it on steam the day before basically (laughs) okay and then how did it make you feel i was okay with that (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think right. if you're asking, like, what was the first uh, or what was the most recent, like, game that I actually went into a store and put my money down and then, like, awaited for it to arrive and all that. No, no, not, not necessarily. Um, I mean, he, he, well, so so I for me, it, it was similar. So the last game that I pre-ordered was very recent. It was Rock Band 4, and I also pre-ordered it, like, two days beforehand because I'd been humming and hawing about it, but you got some free... DLC with it, so yeah. I did that. Jared, what was the, what was the last thing you pre-ordered? Fallout Four. <laughs> and how did you feel? Well, so I, one thing I wonder on this study, I haven't read it in depth. The article's actually kind of short, but um, I wonder if they're including early access titles, right? So early access on Steam, of course, is is a significant thing, and I I don't know whereas I really consider buying a game that is in early access or. Is that pre-ordering? I don't know. I guess it is, but like if I buy it and can start playing right away, even if it's an early version, I don't know. Fallout Four. I I pre-ordered it because I wanted the stupid Pip Boy. <laughs> See there, you so you just did it. So you just did it. You just talked about the stupid Pip Boy. Yeah. So what's funny is I actually. Are you sad about pre-order- the Pip Boy? 
Uh, well, I don't know if it's awesome. No, but <laughs> well, it's one more thing to clutter my desk, but I have to have it. So <laughs> I pre-ordered it and then I felt like buyer's remorse uh, later that night <laughs> and canceled my pre-order. And then in the morning I was talking to the wife about it and she's like, well, why did you cancel? I'm like, uh, I didn't know I pre-ordered it. <laughs> like Lady Macbeth, she was just like, no, you've got to do this. She's like, you must follow your heart. <laughs> Out damn spot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't... I'm, I'm a little bit personally distant from this subject because kind of like Dale, I mostly look at it pragmatically. Like, I don't buy the things I'm not interested in. I do buy the things, you know, some of the time that I am interested in. And I don't know that I feel too bad about it. Um, but but I, I think nevertheless, I think we all have seen and have experienced sort of anecdotally that that sort of reaction. I mean, is is this is this a cause or is this a symptom do you think? I mean, do you think that people are just generally unhappy in any given circumstance, or, or do you think there's really something to this? You know, I, I think people would be less unhappy about pre-ordering if games like uh, Batman Arkham Knight on PC wouldn't launch completely broken and take four months to fix. Things like that is what I think really burn people, because most, you know, you pre-order and the game comes out, and like I pre-ordered uh, Guild Wars 2 the day it became available back in june or whatever um and uh it launched and it was flawless and it's it, i'm very happy with it so I, it's really more about the about the release i think than than necessarily the, the pre-order itself if you're willing to pay the full price up front or you know a small discount that steam does now for like 10 percent or whatever then by all means pay for it yeah i think Otherwise, my wait. my next pre-order is going to be fallout 4 <laughs> yeah is there even any reason to pre-order it though? I don't. Maybe just. I, I was going to ask. So why would you do that? What What's the? Uh. Well, let's. What, see. what is let's the emotion yeah, that you feel when you say now. those words? <laughs> I, I I was thinking I would just in case there was something, but it looks like there's no real incentive for it. Wait, let's see. Purchase and receive the Fallout Four announcer pack for Dota Two. Okay, but that's not a pre-order thing. So I don't maybe know. if you looks like maybe no if you withhold gratification, maybe if you withhold gratification, maybe you'll feel great about it I, I challenge you dale here on this podcast to wait for a week you mean after it comes buy. out yes no nah, i'm probably not gonna do that no no okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess i guess there are some benefits uh, a lot of of the bigger games like fallout 4 probably you know i don't think they've announced it but i imagine it would you can usually preload so you can have it basically ready to go uh for whatever yeah releases, if you're just itching to really get in at this point, that's probably the only reason I would I would probably just purchase it, you know, the, a day ahead of time and preload it. But, but I, I'm not sure if they're going to do that. We'll see. It's kind of funny because I remember back when I used to buy boxes from stores, um, pre-ordering didn't cost any money. Uh, at you least put five dollars down. You'd go in. Uh, you uh, maybe uh, the last one I did it was like you pre-order. And then you just show up and pay full price. Nowadays, they have in, in like Targets and Best Buys, they have those little slips that you can use to pre-order, but you put $5 down and it's like, um, actually, you might not even have to put anything down on those. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, I, I don't know. I remember Target had one once that was like, you pay $5 and then it comes with a $5 coupon for the game. Yeah. So okay. That's free if you're going to buy it. Yeah. That's There's incentive to not cancel. I guess. Exactly. I think that's kind of what I'm thinking of there. But no, back in the like nineties, I mean, so, so I had pre-ordered Metal Gear Solid and Xenogears and went to the Babbage's in that day in like, you know, fall 1998 and, you know, picked them up both at the same day. And, and I had 
I used to, what I used to do back then is, you know, pre-order, pay like the five bucks and I might even pay the game off before it had even shown up, you know, just go back to the mall and pay another 20 bucks when I had it or whatever. And then that way, when the game came out, I could just drop by and pick it up. Yeah, living the life. But yeah, that was, you know, I, there's no way I'd do that now. I mean, I don't, first of all, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, right. First um, of all, I have a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, just a, kind of a, a little side note on this. It says, uh, below the emotion of sadness, uh, lower on the scale associated with pre-orders are joy and then admiration. So sadness, uh, 33% of the emotions associated with pre-orders according to these engagements of sadness, and then joy and admiration, both 18% of, of those engagements each. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really quite sure what to make of that. I, I think uh, it is generally, I would sort of associate it with the kind of discontented attitude that I think, uh, I mean, whatever the causes are, I think that that's something that is fairly prevalent in, you know, video game enthusiast culture uh, at this point. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I, mean, I don't know. Do you... So here's a little factoid from the actual slide that, that has this pre-order data. It's that uh, for 2015, Call of Duty 3, or sorry, rather, Black Ops 3 um, is the leading pre-order title this year, followed by Fallout 4. Uh, last year it was Destiny at number one, followed by uh, Call of Duty again. Um, is there just something about the Call of Duty fan base that likes to pre-order? Is there is there a big pre-order? But bonus? then feels sad about it. Is there an associated? Because uh, in the past, Call of Duty has had like night vision goggles and like a remote control car and stuff like that when you pre-order, right? I and, wonder and how much the, of it um, is just people knowing they're going to get it anyway. I mean, if it's a thing you're into, it's like the once a year tax to play Call of Duty is to buy the next game. It's yeah. just like getting the next Madden, right? Mm -hmm. We, we used to get cat helmets. Now now what do we get? I think that's what everybody's sad about. <laughs> I don't know. What's in the Halo thing this year? <laughs> yeah. I, who knows? Dog helmet. I don't know, but the local Microsoft stores have a big release party. So then let's say, let's say that there is a direct, just for the sake of argument, let's say there is a direct causal link here that we're doing pre-orders, but we're not happy about it. Um, do you think that's Do you think that's a net negative? I mean, the business is the business of pre-orders is growing, so it's going to be happening more. Is Is there a point? Is there a tipping point at which we get so sad about pre-orders that we stop doing it? Or I mean, what what do we foresee for the future of this? I don't know. It's it see. It sounds to me like a symptom of addiction, where you do something and then you feel bad about it. So I yeah. I don't know I don't know what the full like how do you come full circle on that I don't from just from just scanning it again one thing I want to point out is they're taking um, data off of the internet not from like Twitter and stuff so it could, these could also be people talking about pre order um, sadness that and they're not necessarily pre ordering yeah I don't, I don't see that's it as where they they've tried to control for that so it's kind of interesting I wonder how much of that is people uh, basically griping and then not doing it they're sad that they don't have the money maybe or what's uh, or that it exists at all I know yeah. a lot of people get really upset about pre-orders yeah you know, they hate them well there you go maybe maybe they should start uh, doing some studies on how people feel about being data mined all the time <laughs> maybe maybe that's where we should go with this just a, a quick note if you do pre-order Halo 5 through Amazon you can get a projection SMG with long barrel and the Saturnine visor. Whoa, a long barrel? Yeah, on your SMG. 
Okay, sorry. I'm you know, today I was at Carl's Jr. eating a, eating a hamburger, and I pulled a thing off of a drink, and I won for my Call of Duty Black Ops 3. I won a Carl's Jr. themed skin for my gun. Oh, awesome. And a slice of pickle sort of shape for my aiming reticle. You, know, <laughs> you, can, you can either have the Carl's Jr. star, a pickle, or french fries. You know, speaking of restaurants, wow. it's another place that you pre-order a lot, and this madness has to stop. That's true. That's true. Well, listeners, if uh, if you have any emotions about this particular episode or any of our previous episodes, we'd love to hear from it. We don't data mine you. We ask for your actual opinion, so you can tell us exactly how sad you are about our show. Uh, you can reach out to us collectively on Twitter, at GameBitesShow, or you can whisper sweet nothings directly to us. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. I'm at Count underscore Elmdor. And I'm at Red underscore I. Oh, yeah. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, absent today is our host, Legrand, at Legrand on Twitter. And uh, I think he'll be back for the midweek show to talk about the games that we've been playing, so look forward to that. Uh, In the meantime, you can also check out some of our video content. Jared, uh, kindly, uh, once or twice a week, will do some Mm -hmm. streams for us. I just posted one tonight, just before the show. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you can check that on uh, live as it happens at twitch.tv slash show or on our archive at youtube.com slash show, or just check it out at our website gamebyteshow.com and you can see all of these things. And uh, come back to us again at the middle of the week and we will talk to you about more video gamey stuff in some succinct little game bites. Uh, we're pretty well on schedule. Uh, no, we're a little over, but uh, it's still, <laughs> still, it's good. And uh, so we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, thank you so much. We will see you next time. See you. Thank you.